Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we have with us in the studio for at least an hour, John Schrin, candidate for the 8th Congressional District, Republican candidate. How are you, John? I'm doing well, Frank. Uh, terrific to be here. You were, on, you were on the show yesterday, too. I don't know if you know it. I chopped up sound bites from the WVIA debate, you and Matt Cartwright, and we listened to you talk about a variety of issues. So let's begin by you just telling people about you, who you are, you know, bit some background. Sure. I mean, I am a uh, political outsider, self-made business person, grew up in a working class family down in Bethlehem and Easton. First person in my family to go to college. I had one grandfather who was a coal miner from Shemokin until he broke his back. And then he had to move to Bethlehem to find work. Another grandfather who worked at Bethlehem Steel. So needless to say, I was taught and ingrained a lot of common sense as a kid growing up. So now you go into the Sands Casino and it's like <laughs> the ghost of grandpa there. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, when you look at the Sands, one of the things that they kept was the old crane where they used to pick up the ironwork to yeah. take and dump and get transferred into the blast furnace. And my grandfather, Howard, operated that at one point in his career at the steel company. Wow, that's neat. Now, you know, forgive me, but, you know, impressions, you know, last first impression... Everybody says, you know, where's John? does John live in Pennsylvania? What, what's the whole controversy there? Uh, who knows? It's a lot of smoke <laughs> and mirrors. And, you know, you tell me. Here I am with that type of heritage. My family, my mom, dad, brothers, cousins, aunts, uncles, everyone still lives here. I left because there was no work after the age of 25. I am a 10th generation Pennsylvanian. Very proud to say that on my grandfather Howard's side, the steelworker, his forefathers came here in 1740, settled in Pennsylvania, farmers, Germans, carpenters, that's what they did. The Irish side of the family came in the mid-1800s, settled in Luzerne County before Lackawanna was even split off. Right. Coal miners. Again, people went and worked where they had to. Now, you know, I, I had a question I, I just want to ask you. You, you. You're a successful businessman. Now, you just said you're a political outsider, and, and I know you've been very successful. Why? Why jump into this circus? And, and was it someone that encouraged you? I mean, what made the decision? Where did it come from? Yeah, I want to go back to it. So I, I want to be very clear. I do live in Pennsylvania. I okay. live in Monroe County, Barrett <laughs> Township. I will be voting for myself on November 6th. Okay. No ambiguity about it. And people have to remember that what happened with these congressional lines by the activist court moved things around. I actually have owned a home in Pennsylvania since 2009 because when I left banking, I bought back from the state of Pennsylvania the little row house that I grew up in, which was my grandparents, the coal miner. The state of Pennsylvania took it over because when my grandmother was in the nursing home, Social Security didn't pay enough to cover the cost. And ultimately, when she passed, they took it. I bought it back because it matters a lot to me. It's my roots. It's my heritage. So that's who I am as a person. I live here. This is where my heart and soul are. This is who has made me who I am as a person. So that's why to come back, you said, why am I doing this? The immediate catalyst was 10 years ago. 
Uh, one of my uncles passed away on Christmas Day, heart attack. And at his eulogy, the priest talked about how is your life going to be defined by the dash? What do you do? And that was it, Frank. At that point, I said, you know what? I've been blessed in life. I have very happy marriage, successful career. And I said, shame on me if I can't find the time to come back and give back to the place who made me who I am as a person, personally and professionally. So that was the catalyst. And that process started by going back to Lehigh University. I went there as the global executive in residence, teaching in, in the business school for three years. So I was back starting in 2009 to 2012, living here with the students. My son was still a senior at that point in school. And it was a great opportunity to, again, take what I learned and give that to the young people at Lehigh. I had terrific experience at Lehigh. First person in my family to go to school, got an engineering degree there, an economics degree. I paid for it. I worked as a teamster. <laughs> at, uh, at Roadway in the Scranton local right. to help pay for school. But I also got scholarships from the Richard K. Mellon Foundation and, and others. So it's coming back. And I always tell everybody the values that I learned here, the importance of your family and faith and hard work, fairness and giving back. And that giving back piece, it's only driven me more as I've gone out and have had a chance to speak to all the voters in all five counties there's so much more that we can do here. And, right. th and that's what I see as our opportunity. Okay, you're listening to John Schrin, Republican candidate for Congress, 8th Congressional District, and we are going to take phone calls. So if you have a question, you can dial now 8830098-1800-437-0098, and we will indeed take your calls and your tech. 14 minutes before 5 o'clock, John Schrin is here, and we got lots of phone calls and lots of subjects. But while the commercial was on, found out you're a runner. You ran Steamtown Marathon? I did, Frank. The first marathon I ever ran, I ran it in three hours and 40 minutes. Thought I was going to run a 310, and then I hit that proverbial wall at <laughs> uh, 20 miles, and I suffered. But I finished, and I made, I beat my son. He made a bet. He said, Dad, you're too old to do it. I was 39 at the time. <laughs> 39. And I did. That's a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and you ran, you ran the 5K at Pittston tomato festival? I did. So my team, and I've always said that uh, I love to be out there with people and I love to exercise and run. So I bet I've run a, you know, a handful of them over the course of the fall and I love it. All right. Well, let's see if you can run through these phone calls. Morgan in Wilkesbury, what's your question for John Schrin? Hi. So Mr. Schrin, I am a senior down at Wilkes uh, University and, um, you know, I'm just curious, what is your economic vision for Northeast Pennsylvania? Because I really want to stay in this area. I don't want to have to go elsewhere and find a job. So um, what is your economic vision? Morgan, for? what's your major, by the way? Uh, business. Okay, business. You can listen off air because we got too many calls. Okay, so <laughs> your vision in 15 sure. seconds or less. Sure. <laughs> Morgan, look, the vision is we have to have people that have been in the private sector, not lawyers, that know how the real economy works to create jobs. I've put forth a couple of things already, both really in Lackawanna County, number one, to try to utilize the natural gas resources we have, the electric generation capability at the new plant at Jessup, and really to come in and do two things around that. One, 
to solidify and harden the electric grid in Lackawanna County to make it differentiated so that we can attract businesses to northeastern Pennsylvania with that as a differentiated advantage. And then the second thing is to say, let's have Scranton be the hub of research around battery storage for electricity. The same way Pittsburgh took artificial intelligence and robotic and became the world leader around those things. If we want to keep and have higher quality jobs in this area, we have to think bigger, bolder, and have a vision in terms of what you want to do. I believe this area, which is so rich in its heritage of what it's done for this country, can have that renaissance. But we have to have the right leaders with the vision. So it shouldn't be that you need to leave the way I did. That's why I've come back home. I have the vision, the knowledge, the connections around this country to make this work. You know, whenever we talk about the economy, and we have lots of good news about the economy, I will get people calling saying, yeah, but we're not sharing in it. We don't see it here. We don't. Do you think that's that's fair assessment? And if it is, what do we need to do to kind of bring that economic boom to our area? It's factual. So if you look at it, Frank, I mean, the the level of income in the area is 10% below the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We have an older population that's here. And part of that is because people like Morgan are leaving and they're not staying. They get their degrees here and they leave. That shouldn't happen. We need different leadership. If we want to have the same old, same old, We keep electing the same people that have been doing things for the last six years, 10 years, 20 years. If we want a different vision, somebody like myself who has an engineering background, a finance background, an accounting background, someone who will be the first certified financial planner ever in the history of Congress, that's what we do to make things different and drive economic growth here. I know we can do it. It's not going to happen overnight, but I will tell you, if we look out 10 years from now, I want this to be a Harvard case study of what can and should happen. All right. Uh, Judy is calling from Honesdale. You mentioned a, a senior population. Judy, what's your question for John Schrin? Hi, John. Uh, I'm just, I am just baffled why we keep seeing ads that you, uh, Wagner, and Lou are trying to take the money away from seniors for uh, Social Security and retirement. Uh, I, everybody is asking why are are the Republicans will, wanting to take money away from uh, from us seniors? Okay, you listen off air, Judy, if you would, so we can clear up the lines. John, that's a very big question. I, I probably twenty texts came in on Social Security, and it's a great one. And Frank, I can tell you, it's a page from the playbook that the Democrats like to use around the country in Pennsylvania. I can tell you, Judy, I'm not going to cut Social Security. I want to make sure the system is stronger, that we get more people to work and pay into the system, that we take fraud out of it. And I can tell you again, with my background as being a certified financial planner, I actually understand that program as well as anybody that would ever have been in Congress. And I understand how it needs to work with the other retirement plans and assets that people have. And again, I think we need and should have people like that. But again, most importantly, you can be assured I'm going to make sure that what people paid into the system, both for Social Security and for Medicare, is protected. Okay. Before you came, the first 90 minutes of this program, we got into a discussion of the caravan, the caravan coming. CNN is reporting now that 15,000 U.S. troops are going to the border. I, I, I said, I'm, I'm concerned what's going to happen. We don't know. You know, is, it, is there a political aspect to a day before the, the midterms? What, what's your whole thought on this caravan immigration? It's, what a mess. Frank, this is something that uh, we spoke a little bit before uh, we got on air. My wife and I met at Lehigh University. She came to this country, sight unseen, from Tegucigalpa, Honduras. 
I have personally traveled to Honduras 50 times in my life. And what we're seeing at this point in terms of the caravan is an unprecedented attack on the sovereignty of the United States because the Honduran people would not organize the way they have on their own to have that type of mass departure. You, if you are a Honduran and want to come to the United States, as my wife's family did for decades, go to the U.S. Embassy in San Pedro Sula or in Tegucigalpa, and you get a visa. That's what's required to come to the United States. My mother-in-law, when she would come and take care of our children, would get a visa every six months and then have to go back. What we're seeing for people to just show up and say, they're going to go through Guatemala, they're going to go through Mexico, they've been offered an opportunity to have citizenship and seek asylum there, they're not. They're coming to the United States. This is an organized affront against the United States. If they wanted asylum, if there were such bad conditions, and they are in Honduras, I'll be brutally honest, when you think about the drugs and the gangs that exist there, it's a bad life. But they could get that same asylum by going to an embassy and saying there's a problem. We don't need to have this. And this is what I struggle with. The risk that we take as a country with the contraband, the drugs, the weapons that can flow through that southern frontier of the United States, it's real. I've seen it in Honduras. And we need to make sure that we stop that and shut it down. So as we think about immigration, 40 years, this country has been failed by both parties. But we start the solution by making sure we have secure borders in the south, at the airports, at the ports, so that if someone comes in here illegally, overstays a visa, there are consequences to them. And it's not fair to the people that were going through the process legally. I was just with a, a gentleman, a retired uh, military person, vet, 70 years old. His fiance has been trying to get her green card for seven years. And this is over in DuPont has spent $23,000 to legally do it. She is a woman from Asia. That's wrong. Why should it take so long, cost so much money, yet we're going to let people who come through a caravan into the country and a military veteran is not going to be able to have his spouse? Wow. That's not right. It's okay. not right. All right. Lots more on that and lots more calls coming in. Uh, we certainly have time to take yours at 883-0098, More to talk about with John Schrin. He'll be with us till 530. So you can call or you can text your questions. We'll take a break. We'll be right back on WILK. Yeah, I asked John if he could answer this question in one minute. I know it's not fair, but are you in favor of building a wall? Uh, Frank, I am. And I think when you look at this, it, it really, I put my business hat on. And it's one where if we look at the cost, $25 billion potentially, the reduced social costs to the United States from the reduced level of drugs, contraband, human trafficking, sex trafficking that would come through, easily would pay for that over a pretty good payback period. So yes, it's one where you look. And as we talked before, it's the right thing to protect the country from a safety perspective as well. All right. Ten minutes after five, John Shrin, Republican candidate for Congress, 8th Congressional District, is here with us answering questions, taking calls. Here, here's I love the way our people uh, kind of put this, John. Uh, enough of your background. We want to know where you are in the Second Amendment. Frank, <laughs> th th this is an easy one. I will defend the Second Amendment. Okay. <laughs> Done deal, right? Yep. Okay. Are you union friendly? I am. And I was, when I, and I think I mentioned earlier, I was a member of the Teamsters Local 229 when I was going to Lehigh. 
loading truck for road, roadway down in Tannersville. I was also a member of the International Brotherhood Confectionery Tobacco and Electrical Workers when I was younger, working as a mechanic in a snack food factory. To me, it's less about being a union employee. It's more about being fair to the workers. It's all about making sure that people are treated fairly. They get a good family sustaining wage. And look, the unions do really good things. They provide the training, the apprenticeships. They are able to do the mentoring for young people to get them into programs and do good work. They get it done faster, safer. That's all good. Now, uh, we're going to go back to the phone. Sally in Shavertown. Thanks for hanging on, Sally. What's your question for John Schrin? Hi, John. Um, I watched the debate the other night, and Matt Cartwright uh, kind of portrayed himself as a moderate. Yet when you look at his voting record, it's anything but that. So I'm wondering, why do you think he's doing that? Sally fantastic question because he's fighting for his political life. He understands that this is a district that shifted very significantly away from who he is, how he votes, and he's now trying to tell people and portray himself that something he's not. He'd be a wonderful congressman in San Francisco or New York City, but not for northeastern Pennsylvania. And he's trying to have people believe that he's for things that he's not. So an example, we talked about the caravan. I mean, he has said he's going to partially support uh, building the wall. Yet, Speaker Pelosi, if she becomes Speaker again, has said there will not be a single Democrat in December who will vote for that wall. So this is a case where people really need to go back and understand the other person's record, why I've tried to make a point of calling out some of these things in terms of who a person is. Because you can't be for something one day and against it the next. You need to have your positions. And uh, he's really trying to misdirect in terms of who he is. A big issue in this area is abortion. Mm-hmm. What is your stand on the abortion issue? And, and, and someone said, I had the privilege of meeting Mr. Shrin twice, once at a church picnic and once at the Trump rally, and he remembered my name. And I just want to let him know I appreciate that. Church picnic, so I guess that means you're also doing door-to-door and meeting a lot of people? I am. And, you know, it's one of the things, Frank, that during the course of this race— I've had the privilege of meeting wonderful people, families throughout the different communities. And I am a person of faith so that I make a point that when I'm out on the weekends, a Saturday afternoon, we'll find time. And I love to drop into the Catholic churches because I'm a Catholic. And it gives me an opportunity to appreciate and understand the local communities, the parishes, how they work. And it's something that I do in a very low key way. And I come in, I worship and move on. On pro-life, I am a pro-life person. I think it is reprehensible some of the things that have happened. And again, as people portray themselves to be something that they're not. I'm the only person in this race who has the endorsement of the Pennsylvania pro-life group, the national pro-life groups. So again, it's one where you can say you're something, but when you have a record that shows that that's not how you vote, what's the reality? All right, back to the phones we go. Mike in Bloomsburg, what's your question for John Schrin? Hey, John, uh, just real quickly, uh, my wife and I are both senior citizens, and we recently received a mailer saying that uh, the Republicans wanted to cut Social Security and put an age tax on us. I, I feel that that's a, a blatant lie myself, and I think you were being rather genuous when you uh, 
said that it was a playbook. And I wanted to say two things. One, I can't vote for anyone in a party who's willing to just put out blatant lies. And the other thing, John, my wife and I adopted three children in our past, and it was a long, tedious, expensive process. In addition to that, we had to prove and document to the United States government that our children would not be a tax burden on the other American citizens. So I just want to hear you say that I'm not off base by saying that I won't vote for any uh, Democrats based on uh, my experience with the lies and how much it cost us and, and the difficulty we had adopting children when the Democrats are all for open borders and just having people walk in. All right, Mike, listen to the answer off air so we can clear those phone lines. 8830098 John? Mike, you're spot on. And congratulations to you and your wife for having the goodness in your heart to adopt those kids. And when we think about this, it is absolutely something that how can we have a double standard for someone like yourself that's got to certify, put their hand up and say, we're going to make sure that these kids are taken care of. Yet we have an open border situation, which we talked about before, that again, disadvantages the veterans, the retirees that are here, the widows, widowers. It's not fair. So that's something I can tell you absolutely agree with, as well as your point that don't vote for a group or an individual that is just blatantly lying. And again, as I've said, the Republican Party, and I in particular, will not cut Social Security. I actually have the tools in my toolbox, the knowledge, the education to work and make sure that those programs do stay strong. And it, got, it needs to be done in cooperation with all 434 other members of Congress, but I have the ability to help make that happen and make it strong. In, in your entire career so far, what are you most proud of? I am most proud of my children. You know, when you go through and life isn't just about what you do, it's what you leave. And the thing we can do as parents, as human beings on this earth, is how you can touch other people. And I can tell you, one of the things that my wife and I were both blessed with she was an only child. Her mother would come from Honduras and help watch her kids. She instilled in them not only the good heart that she had, the, one of the most religious people that I've ever been exposed to. They're all great kids. They're bilingual. They appreciate that although they've been fortunate in life, there are a lot of people who aren't. They'd go to Honduras for six to seven weeks a year in the summer to spend time with their grandmother and her aunts. So I'm... I'm proudest of my children in the fact that they're down-to-earth, regular kids. The Kavanaugh hearing. Uh, I, I'd like to know your impression of, of everything that happened. And my impression is that, it, that it, it has had an effect on the voters. Are you seeing that out there? I am, Frank. I mean, when I go out and knock on the doors and, you know, during the Steamtown Marathon, I was an elephant that weekend. And it was right after the, the process. And there were a number of people that have been lifelong Democrats that said, look, I just, I'm not going to be able to vote as a Democrat anymore because of what happened during that hearing. And I think just in a very simple way that that process failed both parties. It failed Kavanaugh. It failed Dr. Ford. We shouldn't be politicizing individuals if they've been attacked in any type of sexual manner. And look, as the dad of two young women, any type of sexual attack, uh, discrimination against it, unacceptable. We can't do that. That's not what American society should be about. But we shouldn't go through and then make that person go through something that they don't want to go through. So again, 
the process failed both parties. All right, we're going to take a break and come back with 10 more minutes of questions for John Schren, Republican candidate for Congress. So if you want to get in, text or call 8830098, and we'll be back on WILK. And John Schren is with us uh, until 530, answering your questions. We have a bunch of them on the subject of health care. Pre-existing conditions, health care for everybody, lowering the cost of drugs, solve those problems, John. Oh. And Frank, again, this is one of the things that in this country, it's not, are we spending enough money? Are we spending it smartly? And I've talked about that certainly in the debate earlier in the week in terms of looking at what we spend as a percentage of our economy relative to life expectancy. We have a huge opportunity if we take advantage of some of the things that have been put in place, like digitized medical records, to use that information with artificial intelligence to get better outcomes, to drive and bend the cost curve and bring down so that people can get lower cost insurance. Pre-existing conditions need to be covered. Need to be covered and will be covered if I'm in Congress. It's one of the things that, again, is that page from the playbook of the Democrats to come through and try to scare people. The Republicans aren't going to take that away. On drugs, I do think that when we think about drugs, we should, as a country, have the ability to negotiate with the manufacturers. But I will also say we need to make sure that we don't kill the golden goose of innovation because our companies in this country have created better compounds from a drug perspective than any place else in the world. And part of that is because of the system of capitalism that we have set up, that if you take a risk, you're going to get rewarded for it. What we need to guard against are the companies that come in and try to make extraordinary returns for an older drug where they increase the prices 3,000%. That shouldn't happen. And the same is true around medical devices. All these things, we need to look at it in a fairness perspective. What's fair for society, what's fair for the companies in terms of getting a reasonable return around the risk that they're taking. Okay, uh, a couple of people have, have pointed out, you mentioned you went to Lehigh? I did. Lehigh University. Okay, that's a fine school. It's, you know, great reputation in the country. Uh, but that sparked people asking, what about the student loan crisis? Is there anything you can do to help the college kids? Because they're drowning. I mean, I think Pennsylvania is number three in the nation with student loan debt. Yep. And so I can tell you, I was one of those people when they finished Lehigh and Columbia, I had plenty of loans. And uh, one of the happiest days I had was when I was able to rip up those certificates from FIA to say, paid back, no more. But I will say that when we go through, there are things we can do. The rates on some of these loans are really very, very high, too high in terms of what the students are charged. One of the young men that works for me just graduated from college. And I asked him, I said, what are you paying? Initially, he didn't know the rates. I would also say that if you're a student, you need to know what you're going to be charged. Would you go into a, a supermarket and buy a gallon of milk and not know what you're going to pay? How are you going to make a big purchase like a loan for school and not know what you're going to be paid? There are things we can do, but there shouldn't be 11, 12% rates at this point for students to be charged on their loans. It needs to be fair. We have seen a big movement in the academic world where more of the private institutions are establishing really need-based scholarships. So if you're a bigger institution, large endowment, they're making sure that people can get a, a full ride, almost the way I did. You know, I, I benefited from the Richard K. Mellon Foundation, who provided a lot of scholarships to me when I went to Lehigh. We need to do more of that to make sure that the young men and women who are blessed and have the intelligence to be able to go on and do some of these things can 
can do it to achieve their potential. But I do worry about the rates and the level of indebtedness. And we also have to be mindful if you're one of the kids. Why are you going to study some of these things? If you're going to have a major where there's not really a good outcome in terms of employment opportunities, that's having some accountability and responsibility again yourself. Yeah. Um, you attended, you, you were with the president at Mohican Sun? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. He, uh, he is constantly bashed in the media. We have questions about your perception of the media, the, the, of the, the fake news, so to speak. We have questions about Lehigh University uh, pulling his honorary degree, your alma mater, and, and you, you, just your, your, uh, your assessment of the Trump administration. So, look, I put on and always try to be very balanced about this. No one's perfect in life. So the president's not. He says, he tweets things sometimes that maybe he should step back. But I think you have to look at the level of accomplishment and what has happened with the U.S. economy growing at the level it has. Wages rising. Today, we got a report that wages were up 3.1%. Fastest level of growth in a decade. That's good stuff. The world is safer. ISIS has been eradicated out of the Middle East at this point. We have a Korean peninsula that's moving towards peace in a real serious way. Tough negotiator on things. The new trade agreement between the United States, Mexico, Canada, it's going to benefit our dairy farmers, which is a huge industry in Pennsylvania. So those are all things that are good. Uh, yes, the president was granted an honorary Ph.D. from Lehigh University back in 1989 when he was the commencement speaker. And there have been a couple of attempts at this point by the faculty and students to say, you should take that degree away personal views, there's no basis to take it away. The students actually selected him back during that time period to give the commencement speak speech. It was right around when he wrote, you know, The Art of the Deal. This is something that, again, the media can overplay. You know, the media has its job. Is it fake news? Not sure. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, there's a human bias that creeps into these things. And, and that is one of the things that I've noticed that uh, when you go through Today, people have the ability to really find more information faster with the internet. And so I, I, I do trust in the system working, tweeting and being able to get information out faster, clearer is a good thing. 30 seconds, you get the final say to the audience. You're going to have a, a, a wonderful opportunity on November 6th to decide between two people. If you want the same old legal type of looking at things, you can vote for my opponent. If you want to have somebody who's got a bold vision, the tools in his toolbox to really drive economic growth in Northeastern Pennsylvania, and I say to people, I will bring common sense, business sense, and a good heart to Washington to represent all of you. And I'd humbly ask for your vote on November 6th. Thank you very much for being here. John Trin, candidate for Congress. Five. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.